We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to The Bunker. Start your week. It's hot in the bunker today and I'm not just talking about the Conservative leadership race. With me is Naomi Smith. Hi, Naomi. Good morning, Rose. Are you, do you hate the hot weather? Love it? Somewhere in between? Uh, sometimes I love it. I love it when I can get in the sea. I managed to do that oh, yesterday. Yeah. Twice. Oh, lovely. Delicious. Um, but when I was sweating up on the cliffs on the Seven Sisters, I did think, am I in a Tory leadership video? <laughs> am, I, am I just sweating myself to death, hauling myself up a cliff? <laughs> Speaking of which, there are now 11 of them in the race, and Pretty Patel has not even formally joined yet. Apparently it's 50-50 whether she does or not. I would set out all their names, but let's face it, most of them are not going to be in the race in a few days' time. So why are we going to go through and be completist? What's your impression so far of the race? That's a very good question. I mean, it, it, every every hour, seemingly, there's a new name thrown into the ring. And late last night, is it the MP for Gillingham? In Kent, Reman Chishti, who nobody had ever heard of before, threw his hat into the ring. So it, it, it feels like a farce that's getting ever more farcical as things go on. But generally, Ross, it's just bloody depressing because even those who you might consider to be on the sort of slightly more moderate wing are so overcompensating for the fact that that's how many of their colleagues will view them, that they are doing things like appointing Esther McVeigh as their running mate or saying, absolutely, we will push through the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill or trigger Article 16 because the conditions have been met. You know, this is so unacceptable. So talking up all of that stuff about a trade war with Europe. So it's, it's my overriding impression is that if I'm not sort of maniacally laughing at the sort of farce of it, I'm just thoroughly depressed how about you it is actually I think it's frying to be honest it's frying a lot of people's brains on the left that there are several female candidates and there are several more than several ethnic minority candidates in this race and it's so bloody right wing I mean it there is the everybody pretty much is promising tax cuts and it feels so out of touch with what is going on in the country and what people are thinking about. But I suppose that's inevitable because they are, first of all, playing to their colleagues in the Conservative Party and then to Conservative Party members in the country, aren't they? Yeah. And we'll know later today what the timetable is going to be. Last week, there were even rumours that they'd skip out the membership altogether and, and sort of just deal with it. As a parliamentary party, that doesn't now appear to be the case, but it is going to be very, very tight to get the whole thing done before the end of the summer, as is the you know received wisdom of, of the rumour mill. And yeah, I mean, you're right on the left that my Twitter feed has been just full 
full of people talking about the fact that um, Labour had just is, is nowhere on the diversity by comparison to the Conservatives. And I think that what's upsetting people, as you say, is is why there are you know so few strong voices on the the front benches of of the other parties that are um ethnic minority voices and you know labor has never had a female leader and it looks like the conservatives could end up with having had three conservative prime ministers not just leaders who are women so the plan now is that the 1922 committee are having a big meeting tonight and I think they may be setting a minimum threshold for support so that some of the complete no-hopers will immediately have to leave the field because some of them have got very, very few backers. And that will whittle down the field. And then I think there will be a debate on Sky, possibly other debates too, next week. And eventually there will be only two left and those go to the membership and then it will be summer where they, you know, duke it out uh, to get the members' approval and we will have a new Prime Minister, presumably in September or October. In the meantime, Boris Johnson continues to squat in Downing Street. Something more sleaze came out over the weekend, didn't it? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, talk about um, uh, news you might have missed. I mean, there is just so much news coming out of this Conservative Party race that that, that it's easy to, to lose sight of the stuff that the current prime minister who's sort of refusing to leave is getting up to. Yeah, there was yet another story of one of his lovers um, who he was in an affair with while still married to Marina Wheeler when he was mayor of London I think it was when he was mayor of London rather than foreign secretary um, and again trying to get her a big job and and this time you know he was thwarted and she has now gone to the Sunday Times and and told her story and how she confronted him with it a few years later you know said how uncomfortable he made her feel and uh, and he sort of did show some contrition I think um, but not enough to to make her think that he didn't deserve to get this latest uh, leak of of uh, you know nepotistic awfulness, and it just you know leaked to the press, and it beggars belief. I mean, this is not one, not two. I mean, how how many um, of his lovers has he tried to get a job in in public office for? Presumably, this isn't it. There could be even more. It is extraordinary. And to me, it's even more extraordinary. I mean, he can't even sleep with people, it seems, without offering them some kind of job. And is it in the hope that they will keep quiet about the affair in the future? But how would that work when it would be more likely to come out? I, I don't. I don't. It's, it's extraordinary. I think it's about control and keeping people close to you, who you want around you. And so it's just another lever of control over them if you are also their paymaster. Yeah. So briefly back to the leadership race, Rishi Sunak, we should say, is in the lead at the moment with more support than anyone else. Coming up behind him is Penny Mordaunt, who only launched yesterday. Did you watch her video? I did, but only because I saw that there were people asking to be taken out of the video saying they hadn't given their permission uh, to feature in it. And you had um, the uh, Olympic athlete, Johnny Peacock, who won gold in, in 2012. He's a Paralympic runner saying, I have not given you permission to use 
me in your footage please remove me and then he was using the hashtag anything but blue obviously to to signal that he was certainly not a conservative supporter um so yeah i did i did see hers um but i've 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 also seen Rishi Sunak's um, <laughs> clips from when he was a much younger man, uh, where he's being interviewed talking about how he's got friends from the who are, I think, upper class and working class. Well, not working class, and it obviously you know it just looks terrible. And then he goes on to sort of talk about how he duped state school kids into thinking he was one of them um, in encouraging them to apply for. Oxford and then he sort of does a big reveal at the end of his conversation with these young people that actually he went to Winchester and they can't believe it because you know he's so normal and like them and all very toe curling I've yet to see a video that hasn't sort of got the cringe glands going but then that's because I'm not the audience right no you're not and the Mordaunt video is um yeah a classic of its genre there are a lot of comparisons being made to a day-to-day video uh, a few <laughs> years back um, because the visual cliches are just all stacked up. Yeah. I still tip Mordaunt, I have to say. I think she could well come through and I think it will end up being her and Rishi Sunak for the last two. But what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, like you, I've sort of called her for a while now. I think I think it was you that said she she's almost somebody that you can project anything onto. Whoever you want her to be, she can be, whether it's ardent Brexiter, more moderate Brexiter, you know, low tax, middle of the road tax. She, she, she seems malleable, I suppose, because she has had the lower profile of some of the other big front runners. Um, so isn't quite so known for pinning her colours to the mast on some of the big issues. But of course, is a very staunch Brexiter. Um, so listeners to this show will, will probably uh, not welcome a Penny Mordaunt Prime Minister. More of the ship, less of the leader, I think is her slogan or something along those lines due to her background in the Royal Navy. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And there is likely to be more bad news for the economy this week with GDP figures out and various senior figures giving speeches setting out how bad things are getting. Certainly, I begin to feel that things are spinning a little bit out of control on the economy front. Is that your impression too? Yeah, very much. Obviously, at Basel Written, we do um, a lot of work looking at trade relationships and how uh, new trade deals are not compensating at all for the trade that we've lost with the European Union and keeping a very close eye on economic figures because we have to try and grow the economy. I mean, it hasn't now for for 12 years. It's been incredibly sluggish growth. We're not predicted to get back to even 2008 levels until something like 2025 by some measures. And we've got conservative leadership candidates all promising to cut taxes. So how are they going to fund their levelling up agenda, which is the other one that they all seem to be coming out and proud for? Where is you know, the, the the big money into infrastructure going to come from an upskilling that would help that levelling up. 
well, I, I'm supposing some of them will think that it, it can come from creating a, a Singapore on Thames low tax environment that will somehow boost um, productivity. But the evidence doesn't necessarily stack up for that. And in, in fact, tax cuts on certain sectors of the economy and certainly on the rich has no impact on economic growth whatsoever. So I think the combination of all of those global factors that we know about, pushing up prices, cost of living, energy supply, constriction, all very, very much still there. The poor relationship with Europe only getting worse and us having even uh, higher tariffs and, uh, and and trade barriers in place, particularly if this Northern Ireland Protocol bill goes through, again, adding an extra layer of cost onto uh, already struggling British businesses and consumers. So where are the ideas? And there don't really seem to be any uh, coming from this government that would have a material impact on anyone other than the already rich. So I think we are headed into a long, hot summer of very, very difficult times for families. Um, and then God help us in the winter uh, once we have to turn the electricity and the, the the heating, the gas central heating back on because things are going to get incredibly difficult. I mean, it, it is it is so bad, Ros. The, the inflation figures and predictions always seem to have been on the prudent side and it's now galloping faster than most uh, economic predictions at the start of this year. And um, I just shared a tweet earlier today of all of the supermarkets and cafes that are offering free meals for children if parents buy one for themselves. Um, and I, you know, I just can't really remember an, a, a time when we've had to rely on business to to pick up the the benefits like so much because so many people now can't afford to feed their own children during the school holidays. No. And in Asia, the Sri Lankan president has just resigned after there were riots in the country due to shortages of food, fuel and medicine. It's obviously Sri Lanka is a particular case, but it feels as though this is something that could start to happen more widely, doesn't it? Well, I, you're right to, to point out that Sri Lanka does have some very particular problems, largely um, corruption huge, huge, huge levels of corruption and, and mismanagement. So the government owes something extraordinary, like 50 billion, can't make interest payments on its loans, you know, let alone put any kind of dent in the amount that they've borrowed. And they're also coming off the back of a pandemic, which of course had such an enormous impact on tourism, which is such an important engine of their economic growth. So the currency is collapsed by 80%, worsening inflation, out of control food cross rising. And the particular problem Sri Lanka has because of corruption is that um, it makes bailout packages difficult to offer. So normally you would see uh, IMF and World Bank coming in with assistance, and I think they will. But of course, that will be complicated given the the historic role of the political leader squandering that that wealth so it's going to come with some very very strict conditions to make sure that the aid isn't mismanaged but from a geopolitical risk perspective Sri Lanka is one of the world's busiest shipping lanes and given all of the global supply chain issues that we still have, letting a country of such strategic significance collapse is just not going to be an option either. So I think Sri Lanka does have some very particular issues that, that other 
places don't, although, of course, there is widespread corruption in many countries and people in glass houses here in the UK probably shouldn't throw stones when it comes to talking about corruption um, uh, and uh, government mismanagement of taxpayers' money. Um, but hopefully uh, other other countries won't have quite such a instant implosion um, as Sri Lanka. Closer to home, it's the 12th of July marches tomorrow in Northern Ireland. These are Protestant marches, which are traditionally can be quite fraught and sometimes spark sectarian violence. A man sadly died falling from one of the bonfires that um, have been built in order to mm-hmm. celebrate the 12th of July because they're extremely high. That has now been dismantled and a memorial put up for him. But do you have a sense that things could be particularly fraught this year in Northern Ireland? I really hope not, Ros. It's so, so, so painful. Yeah, really sad that this chappy died. Um, he fell about 15 metres um, in Larne while he was building one of the huge bonfires. And 15 metres is nothing. Most of them are much, much bigger than that. And every year there are sort of competitions from the different loyalist groups that are building them around Northern Ireland to build the biggest one and health and safety remains absolutely woeful around them I mean there is very very little riots erupted last year because younger loyalists were channeling their anger at at the Northern Ireland Protocol and and post-Brexit trading arrangements more broadly um, because of that customs border in the Irish Sea and listeners will know that it's loyalists and and unionists saying that the the protocol is undermining their UK identity and they want it scrapped. We have seen tensions flare this year already. In March, there was uh, a sinister bomb scare in Belfast targeting the Irish Foreign Minister Simon Coveney uh, and loyalist paramilitaries were blamed for that. Certainly, loyalist leaders are are cautioning and, and, and warning that it is a literal tinderbox there at the moment, um, which is, you know, what they are going to say anyway because they want the Northern Ireland Protocol scrapped and and they want a, a hard border. Many of them, so you would you would sort of expect them to be talking that up. But there have been some instances of violence already this year, so you know, fingers crossed it won't and, and common sense will prevail. But um, it's a uh, it's it's a bloody disgrace that every single member of the leadership race of the Conservative Party so far has not been doing anything to soothe the situation there and, and basically using it as a political football to uh, have their own you know political gain from it. And speaking of fires and heat, there is a very large wildfire in California again this year. It is spreading through the Yosemite National Park and some of the big redwoods are in danger apparently. Meanwhile, there are more wildfires in Portugal as well. This seems to be, unfortunately, yet again a theme of this summer. Briefly, before we move back to the heat, uh, Novak Djokovic won Wimbledon yesterday. I didn't watch it. Did you, Naomi? I didn't. No, I couldn't really bring myself to. Um, a mini Driver did a, the actress Mini Driver did a great tweet about it saying, basically, this is you know, two men getting rewarded for bad behaviour on the world stage and the echoes with our own government are just uh, too too palpable. So, no, I, I avoided it. But I will be watching the women's Euros, England women's Euros team oh, playing yeah. Norway tonight because I did watch most of the first match and I don't understand why there's a suggestion that women's football is not as exciting as men's. Oh, no well, way. I, way well, well. 
I am not, frankly, thrilled by anyone's football normally. It was it was a lively match and I enjoyed it. And it was a different style of play and it was, yeah. Good for them. Fun Come to watch. Girls. Yeah, so looking forward to that. And it is getting hotter. It will be 31 degrees today, I think, in London. And there is apparently a 10% chance that this week's temperatures could break 40 degrees in, in Britain, which would be the highest ever. That would be a record. It's starting to get quite scary now, isn't it? It is. You know, this is the reality of climate change. And for all those northern hemisphere government leaders that have done simply nowhere near enough to tackle climate change, largely, I think, because, you know, for for, for many northern hemisphere countries, oh, it sounds quite nice. I think they'll be beginning to sweat into the reality of, no, this is not nice and we cannot cope with this. And if this is what we're suffering, my God, what's it like in the rest of the world? Well, quite. Naomi, thanks very much. Thanks, Roz. And if you are sweating too, don't spend the money on your normal coffee. Why not spend it on backing us instead? So just go to Patreon Bunker Podcast and you can back us and help us make more podcasts and we're actually planning one on wildfires shortly so it's very hot and very timely thanks very much see you next time does what's going on in the american election scare and bemuse you in equal measure want to know what biden and trump are up to without tearing your hair out then you need to listen to american friction the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in november from the makers of oh god what now the bunker and paper cuts every friday we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the united states to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote that's american friction with me jacob jarvis me chris jones and me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Start Your Week from the Bunker was written and presented by Ros Taylor and Naomi Smith. The producers were Yelena Sofonievich. Jacob Archbold and Alex Reese. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis and the audio producer was me, Jay Bailey. Group editor Andrew Harrison, theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.